0: Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thank you for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about why and how you matter. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to ask you to subscribe to this podcast. If you're anything like me, then you have a whole bunch of podcasts that you find really valuable for your life. But if you don't subscribe, then you probably don't listen to those podcasts. Subscribing is free, and... If you'll do it, then every Tuesday after we upload these sermons online, you'll get a little notification from your podcast player telling you that we have a new episode online. And so I really, really do hope that you'll subscribe. I think it would be helpful for you in remembering to listen to these sermons. At the same time, if you find these sermons to be valuable, then I also would hope that you would leave us a rating and or review. I was recently reminded about the power of sermons going out into the internet on instagram we asked a question how did you hear about our church and we were surprised when somebody simply responded by saying podcast and so we probed a little bit further and this woman had searched for something specific in a podcast player and she had found our sermons and she's been listening to them ever since Here's the reality. When you leave a rating or review on our podcast, it helps for more stories like this to happen. It helps more people find our sermons and listen to them, and hopefully then they are impacted by the things that we preach. And so I just hope that you'll consider at least taking just a minute to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast at. We would sincerely appreciate it. Again, I thank you for listening, and I really do hope that this sermon will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. This was kind of a crazy week for me. My brother in law, Matt, who's also a pastor here, he led communion last week and he mentioned that he was starting his doctorate program, which is exciting. We're glad for him to be doing that. Uh, but what he didn't tell you is that in order to kind of kick that off, he wasn't going to do his job this week and I was going to do it for him. And so I was a full time teacher this week and still a full time pastor. And it really feels like I blinked my eyes from last Sunday and he here we were again. And uh, and thankfully, I uh, he, he uh, allowed me to have some movies on during class periods, and I was able to work on a sermon during class while telling kids to shut up. And uh, I was like, shut up, I'm focused on God over here, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but it, it was a wild and crazy week. What Brandon described earlier about just feeling like it's rushing by this week, really uh, kind of I, it was a hard week in that regard for me. It was very fast. But at the same time, there was something really cool that happened for me this week. By being at the school, and I don't know if you know this, but Matt teaches middle school and high schoolers, but that school goes all the way down to preschool, and my daughter is in the preschool. And, and so something really awesome happened this week, and that is that I got to see her in her own element. I joked the other day that it feels like I'm raising a five-year-old and a and a teenager right now. Um, my kids are two and four, but but it feels like I'm raising a five-year-old and a teenager. And and when I try to talk to Hazel about what's going on at school, it is what I imagined happening when she got to middle school or high school. Like, how was your day? Fine. You know, what'd you do? Fine. You know, it's like pretty much like that's, that's kind of the answers I get. Usually she's pretty happy about how school went. But this week, I knew I would be there, and I knew that I I would be able to see her when she was out at recess, and, and one of the great joys of my week was telling the middle schoolers to shut up, and opening the door, and going outside, just being away from the middle schoolers was great, and, and then, and just watching my daughter when she didn't know that I was watching her, watching the kids she was playing with, watching the way that she interacted with other uh, with, the, with the teachers watching the things that she chose to do during recess, seeing the way that she handled. And I saw this this week when she fell down, and, and we weren't there, you know, for her to cry to, seeing the way that she handled it when she fell down, which was way better than she handles it when we're around. Uh, she just hopped right back up and started running again. Uh, just being able to watch that was awesome. I mean, all the kids were like, you're being creepy right now. I was like, I literally don't care. Like, this is my, this is my first child, and I'm going to stand here. And I'm going to see how she lives when I can't see her, when I normally couldn't see her. And I think that one of the clearest ways that you can know that I care deeply and passionately about my daughter, one of the deepest and clearest ways that you can see that I think my daughter matters is that I love to see what she does. I I notice her, I pay attention to her, uh, I care about everything that takes place in her life i don't think she likes that at this point because i'm an obsessive question answer she gets like 40 questions after every school day what was the worst thing and the best thing and did this girl have a fit that's been having a lot of fits at her school like everything i i want to know because because i look at her and she matters so much to me i just i just want to know what happens when she's not there Psalm 127, 3 says, Children are heritage from the Lord, offspring are reward from Him. And it, it took us a long time to have a child, and it, it was a struggle to get there. And and then I had one, and, and I never cared if I had one, honestly. But but once I got it, once I got her, it it just showed me how much a person can matter to you. And that's really seen in the way that I care to see everything that she's doing. I want to know. I, I I feel sad for kids whose parents uh, seemingly are always staring at their phones because it, it suggests to me that these kids are going to grow up thinking, I matter less than, than whatever is happening on that phone. And I see it everywhere I go. I see people staring at their phones while their kids are playing. I see people staring at their phones while their kids are doing something cool, building a tower or whatever. And I, and I think like, man, it, it sucks for that parent because whatever's on that phone is not nearly as important. It doesn't matter nearly as much as that child in front of them. But also think, wow, that kid is is going to grow up and think, do I really matter? Do I really matter? In fact, there's good data especially about dads and their children to show that That the approval of a dad, and I think just noticing sometimes is is a form of approval. Just paying attention is a form of approval. There's good data to suggest that this is one of the the most important factors to people and how they kind of view themselves and whether or not they've been successful. Dr. Peggy Drexler wrote uh, in Psychology Today this, about this study of 75 highly achieving women. And she said, no matter how successful their careers, how happy their marriages, or how fulfilling their lives, women told me their happiness passed through a filter of their father's reaction. Even for women whose fathers had been neglectful or abusive, I found a hunger, hunger for approval. And we all want to be noticed by our dads, and then we want to be approved by our dads. We want, to, uh, we want our dads to say, well done, good job, and all of that. And, and in his book, uh, another doctor, Dr. Frank Pittman, his book called Man Enough, he describes basically the same thing. He says, life for most boys and for most grown men is a frustrating search for the lost father who has not yet offered protection, provision, nurturing, modeling, or especially anointment." I think that at a young age, we learn to gauge whether or not we matter by who is paying attention or who is not paying attention. I mentioned last week that, that for whatever reason, I've kind of grown up feeling a sense of purpose, feeling like my life did matter, uh, and the good and the bad and all the struggles, and my life was not easy. I, I had a really hard childhood, and I said that last week to just set up this next thing, and all of it, I always felt like like I really mattered, (laughs) like I really had a purpose, like it was really important that I was around. And as I prepared for this sermon today, uh, something, something came to me. I think one of the reasons is that I spent half of my time in my childhood in a home with five adults who paid attention to everything that I did. They always wanted to be at every game. They always wanted to be at every choir performance that I was forced to be a part of because there was music classes in my school, even though they didn't want me to sing at them. Just sit there and look nice, Chad. Uh, they never said that, but they wanted to be at them. They wanted to, to hear everything I had to say. They wanted to see everything that I was going to do. If I wanted to put on a magic show in the backyard, then they would be there to see the magic show. From a young age, I had a group of adults that, that, that looked at me and, and their attitudes towards the things I was doing, and, and they basically said, even though they never said these words, you matter deeply to us. As a kid, was like, if I matter to them, then that must mean that I really matter. And the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today, I think emphatically says you matter, and the reason you can know you matter is because God Himself is paying attention to the things that you do. This this passage we're going to look at, Psalms uh, 139, 13 through 16 is usually just known as as kind of the anti-abortion passage of scripture. I would say before I before I studied this week that's really what I thought about this passage of scripture that it was it was kind of the the comeback to to abortion and the comeback to the idea that personhood does not begin at conception. I think that is true in this passage of scripture. I think it is a wonderful passage of scripture for saying personhood begins as soon as a person is conceived. But as I studied it, it's so interesting because it doesn't just speak to, to the child who may or may not be aborted. It also speaks to all of us, including the person who is thinking about getting the abortion in the first place. This passage of Scripture, I think, matters to all of us because it declares that all of us matter to God. Derek Kinder says, any small thoughts that we may have about God are magnificently transcended by this psalm, yet for all its height and depth, it remains intensely personal from first to last believed to be a psalm of David, and uh, David is this great king, and, and and in this passage of scripture, we don't know any details about what's going on, and sometimes we do when we read the psalms, we know exactly what David or the author was going through when they wrote this psalm, but in this psalm, what we can tell, and this makes it, this makes it so interesting what, what he says, he is being accused falsely of something, that's pretty much what we know about it. People, a group, somebody is accusing him of doing something wrong that he has not done. And and David comes to God in a a psalm that while reads in the first half is very upbeat and happy is actually a psalm of lament. He comes to God and he's like, I'm lamenting to you because I want you to defend me. I want you to defend my cause, to set the record straight that I have not done this thing. It's similar to Job, and by the way, it has many similarities to Job. I may or may not touch on a, a one or two of those this morning. But this psalm has very a lot of similarities to Job. And if you know the story of Job, it's the story of a man who is... Is hurt by Satan. I mean, he loses his health and his wealth, and he he loses his family, and he 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 loses just about everything that we deem important in life. Just gone. He he went from having a good life to having a horrible life. And, and Job, the whole book, is basically him saying, "Wait, I don't deserve this." And his friends saying, "Yes, you do." And Job saying, "No, I don't. If just God would talk to me, then we could set the record straight." And while this psalm seems more upbeat than almost anything you read in the book of Job, the idea is the same. The word biblical commentary says it is more likely that the psalm is simply an individual complaint. More precisely, it is a psalm of innocence. In the background lies false accusation of some kind, but its nature is left unrevealed. The speaker brings a complaint to the temple, seeking to obtain vindication via a divine oracle, and to this end, affirming his innocence and faithfulness to God. I read uh, somewhere that this would be one of the most beautiful Psalms in all of the book of Psalms if it was just cut off at the halfway point uh, and, and so we're gonna this morning look at the first half and I'll let you read the rest of it on your own and in the first 12 verses there's two things happening in verses 1 through 6 David declares God's complete knowledge of himself he's like you know everything about me everything I've ever done which he's saying because he wants vindicated you know that this thing isn't true you know everything about me and so these people what they're saying you know this isn't right and so will you please vindicate me and then verses 7 through 12 God declares I David declares God's omniscience in regards to his infinite knowledge of himself. He's like, look, you know all about me and you know all about me because you know all. You know all about me. And then we read in Psalm 139, 13. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Last week, I said that we know that we matter because we were made, and that's in large part what Genesis chapter 1 is about. We can know that we matter because God made us. Uh, But here, David, he basically says the same thing, but to me, he says it in a way that... that that frankly is is more profound and and to me feels more emotionally important. And I think that's probably true because David is dealing with a struggle here. Genesis is written to say God created. It kind of leaves it there. But David is talking about this idea of being made from a very personal standpoint. It's important to me that I was made because of this situation there is in. He says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. There's some debate over the meaning of this, this phrase knit me together. But in verse 15 there's a, a similar word and I think it really helps us to understand the meaning better of what takes place here in verse 13. And this Hebrew word uh, usually refers to a cloth woven together with different colored threads. It, its meaning is like thou has woven me together in my mother's womb. The Treasury of David, a, a beautiful commentary, uh writes that we have been embroidered with great skill. I uh I have a hand woven basket. This is pretty much what it's referring to. We we, uh it's fun, well, I'll get back to that, actually, this is, was made by people, it was sold to us as a hand-woven thing, and, uh, and it's really quite beautiful, right, and, and when you look at it, you think that's cool, and it's even cooler that it was made specifically by somebody, it wasn't just coming off a you know, assembly line or whatever. It's not, you know, like Target's finest. This is made by some woman. I think it's an organization for women. And and it ended up in my home. And when you look at it, you think, wow, that's really cool. It's intricate. It's detailed. Every one of them is probably a little bit different just because they were handmade. It's it's very, you know, good looking. I I think it's a beautiful piece of work. And, And I think that it changes our perspective, right, like, yeah, God created, you matter because you were made, but when David comes along in this bad situation in his life and, and says, look, you knit me, you you wove me together in my mother's womb, it takes it from being like, yeah, I was part of the assembly line of humans, you know, I just came off one after the next, Jesus, God, just going, hey, another human, another human, another human, it's purely biological, it's unimportant, and, and it takes it and it says, no, no, wait, you're like, You're like a hand-woven basket. God knit you together while you were in your mother's womb. You were made special. You were made unique. You were made on purpose. You were made beautifully. You were made wonderfully. We'll come back to that. You were made special. If last week we saw that you matter because you were made, today I think we should notice that we matter because we were made special. We matter because we were made special uniquely and creatively by God it's a big deal as I as I got this basket ready for this sermon, I, I felt really bad, actually. I know that this is going to sound crazy to you, but we just keep fruit in this, and it, and it sits in our pantry, and, and then I, I didn't really even know it was handmade until I said, Brent, I need to go find a basket at Goodwill, and she's like, we have one, like th- we have one in the pantry right now, and, and it, what it did to me, what, what I kind of felt bad about is like, I've taken this really a piece of art, this something that was Created by a person, you know, for me to buy, but but something that's beautiful and unique and cool, and and I've shoved it in our our pantry and put some bananas in it, and, and when you realize that something didn't just come off the assembly line, all of a sudden it really feels like it matters a little bit more. I don't know where we're going to put this, or if Brynn will allow me to put it in a different place, but I'm I'm going to try to find somewhere better for this thing to sit because it wasn't just made. It was made special and unique. And that, I think, is what we need to understand from this passage. We were made by God specially and, and uniquely and creatively. We're not just robots that kind of came down through the biological way. We've been made on purpose by God. And that's exactly what David is saying here. He's like, you absolutely know me. And the reason that I know you know me is because you made me special While I was in my mother's womb. Albert Barnes says the original word has, however, also the idea of protecting, as in a booth or a hut, woven or knit together to wit of bows and branches. The former significance best suits the connection, and then the sense would be that as God has made him, as he had formed his members and united them in a bodily frame and form, he was born. He must be able to understand all his thoughts and feelings. That's so cool, because God made us special. He knows us. He knows us perfectly and he knows us intimately. Now look, he says, he says that he knit him together. This is so I like this part a lot, and maybe you won't. I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna play, but but like he says he knit him together in his inmost being. And this is more literally translated the kidneys, which I think is funny. Like, oh the kidney. I never thought so highly of the where is that? On one of these sides over here. I never thought of the kidneys so highly, but but for for the Hebrews, for the Jewish people, for David, the uh, the organs functioned as the seat of the conscience, and and so when he says, "You knit me together in my kidneys," you knit me together in my inmost being. Uh, this is like saying in. In our modern language, you, you made me in the deepest places. You made me exactly who I am. The Net Bible, I think, does a great job of putting this in American vernacular. It says in, in its translation, you made my mind and my heart. You didn't just make my body. You didn't just make me physically. You made me exactly who I am. Man, I think that's a big deal for understanding why we matter. God didn't just make you, he made you exactly who you are. Now I know you can, you can do this thing and you can go, like I wish I would have been made better. And I think some people think like that. But we'll return to that idea in a second and why that's not a good idea. Uh, but, but just know right now that, that you're here and you're here because God made you, not just your body, but he made you to be who you are. The Net Bible adds a note, the term was used for the innermost being, the soul, the central location of the passions. John Quinn, an author, says, it's the substance within us that makes us what we are. God made you, and he made you to be who you are. And I think that means you matter. That does mean that you matter. He continues in in Psalm 139, 14, I praise you, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, The first thing you need to understand is, is that David praises God because of the truth that he's just revealed to us, that he's been made special. And, and kind of my fear in this series And you know if you go to our church and if you paid attention you may know this We like all of our services to be theocentric that's part of our stated mission We we're here first and prim, primarily uh, first and foremost uh, Our goal is to turn our attention to god when we meet here We think that oftentimes churches get this wrong and and it becomes about us and and we leave going Have we been fed did we like that all of those things but for us? We always want the first folks focus to be on God, how great God is, how good God is, what God has done for us. We want our services to be theocentric and not man-centric. And and one of my first fears as I I thought about doing this series, which I thought was a really important series, I thought, man, just the title, like You Matter, just turns the attention away from God and points it directly at us. But I hope I did a good job in the first sermon of, of saying, look, we matter because Because of God's creative work. We matter because of what God has not done. Not because of uh, of anything special in us, although we are made special. Not because we did something, but because God did something. And I think that as we come to understand how much we matter in this series, we would be amiss if we turned our eyes and said, ha, I'm awesome. Arrogance is, is not the same as understanding that we matter. David's response to understanding this incredible truth that he was made, but not just made, he was made special, was to praise God. That we matter should compel us to praise God and not self. I think the world, just, just, this is the opposite, right? I mean, I mean, we try to talk ourselves into the fact that we matter by staring in a mirror and talking about how great we are. And here in this beautiful psalm of lament... The author is like, no, 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 no. I understand that I matter and therefore my attention goes off of me and on to the creator who made me in a way that matters. As we go through this series and we look and say, wow, that's why I matter. That's how I matter. I matter. Maybe, maybe for the first time in a long time, you'll, just, you'll feel like you matter as we do this series. It Don't stop there. Uh, but out of it go, I'm going to express I'm going to express your glory. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to glorify you because all of the reasons that we mattered come back to the things that God has done. It would be funny for us to just stop at the basket, right? Or any form of art And to say, wow, that's a beautiful basket, you know, and I'm never going to think about who made it and how cool it is that they made it. It would be weird for us to only know paintings and to never know who painted them, right? It would be weird for us to know, like, the work of Van Gogh without ever thinking about Van Gogh. That would not make sense because what makes the painting so special is the one who painted them. And what makes you matter is the one who created you. And so when you come to realize how much you matter to God, you must then turn your eyes to God and say, thank you, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that other part, that you, the other part that you should notice is that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Some understand this to just be wonderful. Like David's saying, I was made fearfully and I'm wonderful. And it sounds a little vain. And, and we, I, for me, if you're like me, it's like I kind of want to push back. I mean, I wouldn't want to get a shirt that says I'm wonderful, you know, and walk around to be a little weird. In fact, if I, if I got up here and prayed on a Sunday like David and at any point in there, I said, God, I thank you that I'm wonderful. You'd be like, wow, Chad's feeling good today. You know, it's the tie or something. Like, what's going on? Like, uh, that. It, it sounds so prideful and so arrogant, but for David, it, just understanding that he's fearfully and wonderfully made is, is him just respecting the work of God. Saying, I understand what you've done here in this creation. I have under, I understand what you've done when you've made people. You've made them and you've made them special. You've made them matter. And that's why I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I I would point out to you that that there are a lot of people who don't feel this, who don't feel like they've been fearfully and wonderfully made. I said they'd come back to it, and maybe you're one of those people, you just feel like God kind of messed up or whatever, and and I want to say that I, I know that can be hard to overcome. I understand that. I understand that that understanding that we matter can be a very difficult thing to do. And, and I would guess that for some of you that that has happened because, because when you were a kid, nobody ever wanted to pay attention to you. Maybe your dad specifically never really wanted to pay attention to you. And, and so from the time you were little, you had parents that treated you like you didn't matter. It, you were told to just go sit and watch TV while they did whatever they valued more than you. And so it is ingrained inside of you to just feel like you don't really matter. And I know that as I preach these sermons, you'll be overcoming an, an up. it will be an uphill battle for you to go, oh, yeah, I, I I do see that I matter because you've been you've been taught that you don't. You've been taught that you don't. And others of you, there's things about you that you just don't like. You just wish they were different. You just look in the mirror and you don't like what you see or you you think about the way that you are and you just struggle. You think I, I'm not I just I'm not good enough and I'm not as cool as that person. I'm not as successful as that other person. I'm not as awesome as, you know, whoever I get that's an uphill battle, but if you're going to believe scripture, uh, I think then that you must you must believe that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. To say that that you are you know, all wrong is, is to look at God and say you messed up. Uh, that's that's what it is. It's to say, well, you might have got everybody else right, but but this one you just you just messed messed this up. I look I mean you do stupid things I do stupid things there's consequences for those things some of the things that happen in our lives are, are very much our fault sin is entered in the world and so there are there are things in in our lives I mean I have multiple sclerosis for crying out loud it'd be easy to look at God and say oops got that one wrong right if you just would have slowed down my central nervous system a little bit it would have been a lot better you know I, I get that all of these things can come into our head sin is a part of the world we do dumb things it causes consequences but we must at the same Time, despite all the things that come at who we are and try to tear down who we are, we must recognize that in our inmost being, God made us special, He made us unique, He creatively knit us together, despite all of the stuff that we may not like about ourselves. And that means that we matter. The word biblical commentary again says the psalmist regards himself as the object of God's creative workmanship. The psalm is remarkable for a subjective understanding of divine activity or, more precisely, its appreciation of the role of the individual as its object. Tremper Longman says, God did not simply create humanity and then withdraw, as though natural process alone accounted for the birth of future generations. No, God is intimately involved in the birth of all his human creatures, and the result is amazing. The result is amazing. I, I think of it this way, and I just wonder, like all the things you don't like about yourself, if it's kind of like uh, what my wife deals with. My wife is a graphic designer. Uh, she works here for our church not as a graphic designer, but her, her, her old real job was as a graphic designer. And one of the things that's always an uphill battle in the graphic design world is that everybody has an opinion on the work, even if they don't know anything about graphic design at all she went through this short time where where she would be told by one boss the person directly above her hey we want you to do exactly this and her and the other designers in her organization would design exactly that and then the boss above her boss would say this is terrible and they'd say yeah we know (laughs) I mean we were just told to do this graphic design is one of these things where where no matter if a person is trained no matter if a person is professional no matter if a person is good at it they see it and they go yeah I like it or I don't like it they don't think about what it's communicating or why it was created in the way it was or the effect that it will have on the people who look at it or anything like that it's just like I like it or I don't like it and I think that maybe God is up there going I am uniquely creating each of you to be exactly what I want you to be and all of you who aren't creators are going I don't really like this one I don't really like that one and I think that maybe God feels a little like my wife going wait You don't know what you're talking about. I'm the creator. Why do you think that you can judge the creation? You're not the creator. You don't know my purposes. You don't know my ends. You don't know why I've done this. You don't know what I'm trying to accomplish through you or through that other person. You don't know why I've made you this way. But I tell you, I've made you this way on purpose. We should all look at the creator of the universe and say you've got this under control and we should believe the words here in the psalm and say yeah uh, if you you created me then I'm going to trust that you created me right and you created me well and you created me for a purpose. You matter because you were made wonderfully. The only question is whether or not you will believe that is true. Now as I say those things I want to point out that, that David, who it is believed by many wrote this, David had plenty of problems. He was a king, yeah. He, he could play the harp, so that's a big step up. Probably good with the women on that regard, right? Like, I mean, David uh, was a warrior. He fought well, but man, David was not perfect, and his life was not perfect. I think we can make the case that David was not a very good dad in some ways. I hate saying that out loud because it's David, but I think we can make that case. We know that David committed some very uh, big offenses as far as being a king and and as far as rejecting the... Ways of God in his life I mean he committed adultery and had a man murdered uh, this is really bad uh, we know that David's appearance was made fun of at one point in the Bible when he was about to go and fight Goliath They're like no this guy doesn't look like a warrior doesn't look like one of us I mean he dealt with some things and it's easy for us to look at a, a Bible guy it's easy for me anyway to look at a Bible guy and well yeah you're fearfully and wonderfully made but this guy was not perfect And yet he recognizes that he should praise God because he matters and he matters because he was made and he was made special. I think in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, we see kind of how Jesus, and we're going to talk all about Jesus next week, but how Jesus kind of redeems these purposes in our lives. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, this is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I think what Ephesians says is that, that we were created for a purpose, but, but maybe that purpose, we can't find it, we've lost it, we, we struggle to, to live out that purpose because of the sin in our lives. And Jesus came, he died on a cross, he came back to life, he did all of that so that you might have an eternally perfect relationship with God if you come to believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world and you give him your life. But on top of all that, if you can go on top of all that, it redeems the purpose within us. It allows us to live out what God has created us to do in a way that we cannot do apart from the incredible grace of God. I think Ephesians 2.8 is like, hey, yeah, you were created with this incredible purpose. And God has brought you back to the ability to do it because of the work that he has done through Christ if you'll give him your life. I'll tell you, I think it's gonna be really hard to understand that you were creatively and uniquely and specially made if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I think that while we all fight an uphill battle to understand that we matter, especially that we matter to God, you'll fight that battle harder and longer and you'll never overcome it if you don't give your life to Christ because you'll never understand or live out that real and deep purpose that we who are Christians have come to know. Psalm 139.14, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I think for us to say that we don't matter, for us even to feel that we don't matter, is to disagree with this statement and to say, your works aren't wonderful. Your works aren't wonderful. I know that full well. I think if we're going to honor the work that God has done in creation, then we must understand that we matter. And then not look at ourselves and go, I'm cool, I'm awesome, I'm great, I can overcome. But look to God and say, thank you. Thank you for making me well. Thank you for making me on purpose. There's this, I'm not going to read it, but in Job 10, 8 through 12, it's this incredible conversation and Job looks at God and basically I'm summarizing. He's like, don't I matter to you? And then to, like, say, God, I should matter to you. He's like, you created me. I mean, he feels like God has turned his back on him. And in the midst of that, he reminds himself, like, like, as he's talking to God, like, don't I matter? Like, look what you're letting me go through. But I have to matter to you because you made me. And why would you have made me if I wasn't going to matter to you? And then, and this is the part that I just didn't understand about this passage, his attention turns, and it kind of returns, I guess, to what's taking place in the first 12 verses, and verses 15 and 16 says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. If the first Six, twelve verses talk about how God sees us wherever we go. Now what he's saying is that God has seen us always. He is, and I love this, this is what it's saying. He's always paid attention to us. I started this by saying that that people want to know that somebody's paying attention to them. We want that. And, and here David looks at God and says, You knit me you created me wonderfully but what's so cool about it is because i'm your creation you haven't just you don't just pay attention to me wherever i go you've always 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 paid attention to me from the time i was in the secret place from the time i was in the womb from the time even before you created me you were paying attention to me all my days were were ordained for me, and they were written in your book before one of them came to be. God looked down, and before you were created, he was paying attention to who you would become, what you would do, how you would serve him. He was paying attention to all those things. Now, there's this view of God out there that people will call, like, the clockmaker, uh, called it like the wind-up toy God or thought of it like that like he just wound up this world and and then went and did whatever I don't know God does <laughs> he doesn't pay attention to us he doesn't care about us he doesn't look at us and I mean some of you had parents like that right I mean y- your parents they <laughs> they conceived you and uh and then they dealt with you and and kind of didn't feel like they wanted to deal with you anymore and, and many kids right now are growing up and their parents are staring at phones and it's saying you know I you know I made you but I don't really care that much about you. And and David looks at God, his creator, and says, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. (laughs) And I know that I matter because you have been paying attention to me since before I was born. If you had a poor father, God is not like that. I think that if you go out to recess, God is like the teacher, like me, looking outside and going, I want to see everything that they do. But here's what's cool. Here's what's so much cooler about God than a human. He does see everything that you do. Now, he may not like it, He may not want, I mean, you sin, right? You do things that you know God doesn't want you to do. But the fact that God is even paying attention to us is absolutely incredible. Psalm 8, three, and four, when I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? I mean, what that Psalm is saying is like, when I look at the stars and the sun and the moon, it's crazy that God would ever take some time to think about me but he does and he even considers you as we saw last week the high point of his creation you're the one that he pays attention to the most you're the one that he cares about the most if God could care the most I think that this is incredible that God in my good and my bad my struggles and my joys and all of it he's looking down here and he's saying Chad I'm paying attention I want to see, I do see everything that you do. I mean, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? What a great line. You can know that you matter because you were made special, but you can also know you matter because God is paying attention to you. Uh, My son used to say this thing, and I used to joke that it was a second child thing. Uh, You know how most kids say, watch me? My son would say, see me? (laughs) And I thought it was a subtle difference because we had to leave him alone a lot when he was crying. When you have a two-year-old and a zero-year-old, and the two-year-olds louder, you just end up leaving the second one more. At least we did. Maybe I'm just a terrible parent. I don't know. But, but like it's it, it just so different. And he learned to play alone at a young age. And and so when he first started talking and he wanted us to pay attention to him, he would say, "Not watch me, just see me." And I was like, "Oh, he's got a complex already, <laughs> right? Like he thinks we don't even notice him. It's horrible. See me, guys. See me." <laughs> like, oh. Oh, poor honey! And then we got him in counseling and things are getting better. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, But he would say, see me. And, and it's because people, I don't think it's a second kid thing. I think we all inherently want to know that people that are important to us, that we think are the most important, are paying attention to what we do. You see it when kids get older, what do they say? Watch me. Watch me, right? Before they're about to do anything cool, before they're about to do anything really stupid, they're like, watch me, Dad, watch me. I'm going to jump off this one-story building. Watch me. That's where my son's at now. Um, Watch me. Watch me. They do it all the time. Watch me. People want to know that you're paying attention to them. And I think that we'll never understand that we matter if we don't know and we don't believe that God is paying attention to us. I, uh, I was driving to school I didn't have much time this week and so I had my nephew Rogan because I was you know doing everything for his dad this week I had my nephew Rogan in the car and and I had my daughter in the car and I'm driving them to school he goes to the kindergarten there and and I, I don't have I don't have a lot of time and so'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna work this sermon out on them and try to say it in my kid way which is actually really helpful for me and, and and so I give him the spiel, you know, you, you, <coughs> you know you, can ma- you matter because God made you, and he made you special, but you also know that you matter because God is paying attention to you. And do you know how sometimes you say, watch me when you're about to do something? You want your parents to watch you? Well, God is always watching you, and he's always paying attention to you. Isn't that cool? And Rogan says this thing that I think is so good. Best thing Rogan's ever said in his entire life. <laughs> he said, we never even have to ask God to watch us. Like, no, we don't. No, we don't. That's beautiful. And, and I think, man, that there is no greater sign than we, that we matter, than that we never have to go, God, please pay attention to me. Please, Please see me. Watch me. But God created us so special. He created us so well. He created us so wonderfully that he just sits in heaven going, I'm watching you. I'm paying attention to you. I love you. I care about you. I see you. I hope that every one of you knows that you matter. And you matter because God is paying attention to you. Let me pray that that will be true. Lord Jesus. I just I uh I want people to know that they matter. And and as I said last week, God not like on some theoretical level, not on some Uh, generic generalization kind of level, God, but every person who is in front of me right now, every person who will uh, listen online, God, who is watching online, they matter to you, God. And they matter to you because you are their special, they are your special creation, God. You fearfully and wonderfully made them. But they can know that you that you have created them in such a special and unique way and that you care so much because you are paying attention to them. I mean, man, so much of the Bible, God, just says like God is looking down at people, which is crazy. It is crazy that you would be mindful of me. It is crazy that you would be mindful of us. It is crazy, God, that you would care to interact with us, that you would listen to our prayers, that you would help us, that you would do miracles, God, that point to you at It's crazy that you, God, are even thinking about us, but you are. And we never, God, have to say, please watch me because you are paying attention to us. I pray that we would all embrace that truth. And, God, we would realize how much we matter to you. And as we realize how much we matter to you, God, it would not inflate our sense of self, but it would cause us to turn our attention to you. And, And we would worship you and we would praise you, God, because because you love us enough, because your grace is so big that that you care about us. Uh, Lord, I pray that no person would leave here this morning thinking that they don't matter. And I pray that each of us who understand we matter would worship you, God. I ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.